Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 204 of the show. A little bit of a mini episode. My name is Evan. I'm joined by a repeat guest, Mr. Kyle, our Tottenham uh, aficionado, a correspondent, if you will. What's going on? Not too much, man. Thank you very much for having me on to uh, discuss the departure of mm-hmm. our club legend, leading goal scorer, Harry Kane, and kind of uh, where the fans are right now. And obviously, uh, we had our first first match without him in the squad. So certainly uh, a lot to talk about and kind of some conflicting opinions in, in the fan base right now. Yeah. So um, to sort of like before we before we get into what's going on at Spurs, because there's plenty to talk about. Um, we did an episode, what, probably two months ago now. Um, kind of talking about the state of Tottenham, what was going on. We briefly touched on the idea that maybe Kane would leave. At that point, it was looking more likely that uh, he would probably stay. And if he did leave, he would probably stay within the Premier League just because of uh, you know how important it is to him uh, to, to break the all-time you know, English goal-scoring record. Uh, we were obviously wrong with that. I thought he would stay within uh, the the league, even if he did leave Tottenham, and that was just not the case. So Harry Kane has signed with Bayern Munich. He was he, he played. I mean, he was named as a substitute uh, during the DFB Pokal, in which they lost to Leipzig. Um, so the idea that Kane would leave to perhaps win some trophies, uh, not necessarily looking great right off the bat. Uh, but I'll kind of hand it over to you and, and you know, you can chronicle the saga of what happened and how you feel about his departure. Yeah, and, and Byron certainly was not on my bingo card. Nope. Um, you know, we, we heard some things early in the, probably before the window and early in the summer about uh, Real Madrid. And then there were things that, you know, maybe his wages would be a bit too high for a 30-year-old. And then those rumors uh, sort of dissipated. And then Byron came in and their initial bids were just downright insulting uh, for someone that, you know, at 30, I, I consider him the best striker in the world. I mean, he scored 30 goals for us last year. I don't think Holland could score 30 in that Spurs team in that system under Conte mm-hmm. with really no service. He plays as, Kane plays as like a nine and a 10, just a brilliant player. And they started out, I think it was around like 70 million euros. And then eventually you know, in the last few days on on Saturday, I think it was official, and it was a um, hundred million pounds and uh, twenty million in add-ons. Whatever the add-ons are, I'm not I'm not too sure. But um, I think it's a weird decision from Kane. I mean, you know, if he stays one more year and his contract is out, he can go to he'll have his pick of any club in the world to go on a free transfer. I mean, if it's United, hell, it could have been Chelsea and, yep. and uh, reuniting with Pac. Uh, Real Madrid most likely would still be be interested. Uh, he could have gone to Bayern then. Um, but so I'm I'm happy with it that we were able to get a pretty lump sum um, with one year left on his deal at his age. Um, and he's just out of out of sight, out of mind, right? Like it would have really hurt to see him holding up a United shirt. Yeah, and we didn't get a single a single dollar for him next summer um some fans were saying you know no he's worth it because if we get into top four then you know we'd make more than 100 million um just from the champions league money in the the next season but i just don't think you can risk having him go to a rival for free and it it seemed 
it seems pretty inevitable just from a fan's perspective that he was not going to resign, even if say he stayed and we won, you know, one of the two cups or did get top four. And obviously with Ange, it's a more attacking style of football. It just doesn't, didn't seem likely that he was going to resign. It's been, he's been at Tottenham all his life, hasn't won anything. It seemed like it was a good time for him to, uh, to change, but Bayern, uh, I, I don't know. It just seems weird. I mean, no one watches the Bundesliga. I don't want to say nobody, but it's just so small compared to compared to the Prem. And he had only 48 goals to go from breaking Shearer's record. Uh, he could come back and do that in three, four years, but that's no guarantee. So um, definitely an interesting decision. I mean, this is also the same guy who signed a six-year contract with Spurs before, so it's not like he's had the best <laughs> decision-making. But certainly weird, but... Um, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy with it, with the result that we don't have to, to play him twice a year and see all of his goals uh, in the Prem. Um, you know, I guess there's a chance that he wins Champions League, and it's kind of a win-win for for Spurs fans um, watching him. You know, if he does end up winning a Champions League, it's like, all right, good for him, club legend. Always would be welcome back here. But if they don't win anything and say Spurs in the next few years do, like Nick and FA Cup or something, oh, the, the scenes. It would be hilarious. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of neutral. I mean, he's no players bigger than the club. If he does win a UCL, great. If not, well, sorry for your troubles. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about Kane is <clears throat> a player like him is so heavily based on positioning and in attacking intelligence. Like, Kane, if you, if you guys, if anybody wanted to play him as, he obviously he can't play wing, he's not quick enough, but... If you wanted to play him further back in the midfield, even as like an attacking midfielder, his intelligence attacking wise is so high and his ability to dictate the run of play is so good. Um, at Bayern, they don't they don't need a striker that has a fuck ton of pace. If you look within the last 10 years, really, it's been Muller and it was Lewandowski before he went to Bayern. Those are both players that lack lack blistering pace and are incredibly intelligent in terms of positioning. So Kane totally fits the mold for Bayern. I totally get it from their perspective. Um, it, it's a bit weird that they were in so late. I, I, we obviously don't know um, how long the, the saga lasted. I know the original bid was 70 million, but that feels like it was only like two weeks ago. Um it, it is just strange to me that they, they splashed for him this late and the whole thing went through so quickly because the, the minute that bid was accepted, it seemed like the next, the next day, to me, he was in Germany at the hospital doing his medical. Um, I would have expected a transfer like this of this profile across the pond um, to mainland Europe would have had more, let's say, complication. But I suppose it really was time, and, and Levy, Levy, however you want to say it, really did think this is a decent bid, and we'll take it. Now, my question to you is, do Spurs turn around, and we're seeing this all over the place, do Spurs turn around and spend the money immediately, or do they sit, let Ange sort of clear the dead weight from the squad this season, because that's what he does. When he comes in, he gets rid of like yep. the high profile players that aren't performing that doesn't really fit Kane's profile, but he did get rid of them. Um, do they spend the money now or 
are we in for another season of watching Spurs kind of uh, like wither in bottom half top six, whatever you want to call it with Madison and Richarlison and, and Kulu and son kind of leading. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I think you have to kind of differentiate between just spending the money versus spending on a striker. Right. Um, because I, for one think, you know, and, and the game with Brentford, um, is kind of a sign of it is we still need another center back. I mean, Romero went yeah. out with a, with a knock after scoring uh, the opener and then Davinson Sanchez comes in. Um, he actually didn't do. No, he bad, wasn't that bad. I thought the same thing. Still. Yeah. It's still a liability, um, especially in a, in a back four. I mean, Dyer, Eric Dyer wasn't even in the squad, which is like, I love Ange for this. And she named the, the captain uh, and the vice captains. And it was Sonny as captain and then Madison and Romero as vice captain. So he's not just going on like, Oh, Dyer and Ben Davies have been here forever. They're going to be the vice captains. Like, and Dyer seemed to throw a fit. He like took Tottenham out of his uh, Instagram bio and doesn't follow anything Spurs related anymore. Like, so I think that's kind of a sign from Ange. Like he's, I think he has to see what he has to work with. And I, I for one, I kind of like Richarlison, obviously one league goal, 60 million is unacceptable, but, he was played out on the wing when he is, you know, just a, a true number nine has to be playing up top. Um, Sonny can play as a striker as well in this system. I feel um, Spurs have been linked with a guy, um, Gift or Bond from Ghent. Yeah. Looking at like 25 or 30 million. Um, I would be open to that. And, you know, hopefully like a tap Soba from, uh, from uh, Leverkusen for about 40, 50 million. I think that would be a good way to spend it. I don't think, and it's already been kind of denied by the Spurs journalists, but I don't think we're going to go out and get a Lukaku. Um, you know, that doesn't seem likely to me. I would be interested in, in Ivan Tony either this window and wait until he's, his suspension is up or maybe in January. I think he would fit excellent into this system. Um, but another thing with Spurs this year is that we're going to be getting goals from a much wider variety of positions. I mean, Harry Kane and Son were really our only goal scorers in any consistent fashion under really Mourinho, Nuno, and Conte. Um, and we saw yesterday our goal scorers were Emerson Royale and, and Christian Romero, you know, a, a right back and a center back. Yep. Um, so I think having this system, you, you're not relying as much on, on a Harry Kane type player up top. I mean, if this move happened during, you know, this, the summer when Nuno was hired two years ago, we would have to replace immediately. And when Spurs spend a lot of money, it's generally not a good decision. I mean, you look at Ndombele, who's now uh, reports came out this morning that he's probably out. He was one of our biggest, uh, big, biggest spends ever. Um, Lo Celso is on loan. He's just now back kind of working his way into the squad. Richarlison looks to be a bad move. I mean, uh, Davinson Sanchez, he was a $40 million player. So, you almost Spurs best business is usually when they get a guy from Ghent for 25, 30 million, or they got this kid, um, Belize from, from the Argentinian league for 13 million. Those are usually the moves for Spurs that work out a little better than when they go out and splash a bunch of money that just came in. Um, you know, you look at the, the Gareth Bale money was spent on seven players and Eric Lamella was the best of the bunch for us. Yeah. So I'm really not, shouting from the rooftops for Levy to go out and, and immediately turn around and spend this hundred million. And and teams know now that Spurs have this money, so they're not going to let guys go for what they would have 
you know, to, to another club or, or even if they didn't sell Kane, that those prices are all going to go up because they know Spurs just got a hundred million up front. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine if we, if Spurs wait until January or even next summer to bring in a striker, but it does look like this gift or bond uh, guy from Ghent is going to come in. And, and I have no idea about this. I've never seen, I you know, barely have time to watch Prem. I have no idea what kind of player he is, but you know, the initial reports seem pretty good. Yeah, I mean the word on Orban. It, there's been word on him for the past couple of years that he's he's talented, he's quick. Um, the Belgian league isn't necessarily the strongest proving ground, um, but if you're you're young enough to come in and learn and maybe vibe with the way that Ange wants to run the team, then I, I mean the the jury is obviously out. Like he he could be fantastic, and if you're only going to spend twenty five million, then what really is the loss? You're taking a quarter of what you just brought in uh, from selling Harry Kane. I don't. I don't think it would be a terrible move. Uh, I've seen some tape. He he is talented, and his um, his um, what was I just gonna say? His profile doesn't necessarily like fit Spurs uh, in terms of what they've been using uh, as their main attacking power uh, with Kane, but this kind of leads me into the next thing I want to talk about, which was how Spurs played uh, this weekend against Brentford. Uh, obviously, yeah, it was it was way different. I mean, I thought this was indistinguishable from how we watched Spurs under Conte. Uh, things under Conte were, uh, he's more of a poking and prodding sort of manager. That's kind of how Italian football is in general. Most of the Italian managers are are constructed that way just because of the football philosophy um and just high flying man it is it is buccaneering football the ball is wider on the wings i think kulisevsky wasn't necessarily thrilled with how he looked um but i think madison is going to be an absolute revelation and if Ange actually like hands him the keys and says control it and make sure the ball is where it needs to be. And we saw it with the free kick. I mean, everyone is involved and everybody wants to make sure the ball goes in the back of the net. I just, there was more, there was, it's a weird way to describe it, but there was almost more pace on every single pass and more intent to go forward and score the goals in that first half than I have seen with Tottenham in a considerable amount of time. It was, it was really different. Yeah, I mean, we were all at the bar at our season, Bradley Beach, and, and we just kept saying, like, it, this is so much more fun to watch. Yeah. It's so much more fun to watch. And Brentford away, is, it's a tough it's picture, tough. man. I mean, we we drew them 2-2 on Boxing Day last year. It's not like this draw is like a huge, you know, setback. Um, and Brentford, the way they play, is kind of the main weakness for the way that, that Spurs are now playing under Ange. And um, we had three Premier League debuts with Vicario in that Guglielmo. Yep. What a name. Guglielmo. Uh, Guglielmo in net. And then um, Udogi on the, at the left-back position. Um, uh, who was the other uh, Premier League debut? Um, Van de Ven as one oh, of yeah. the two you know, starting center-backs. I thought he looked excellent. Big fucker. Yeah. And then, um, and then Madison made up a fourth uh, debut for Spurs. Yep. And um, so overall, I mean, I was – pretty happy i thought the penalty that brentford was awarded was pretty weak i mean yeah you know he goes down he grabs the wrong leg it's like all right yeah there's contact from sun but it, it's you know it it kind of could go either way um 
Madison, like you said, I mean, he looks absolutely incredible. I mean, yeah. he could turn out to be an amazing signing that could really save Spurs season and have them flirting with those European spots versus being in, in the middle of the table, maybe, you know, fighting for top half. Um, but the, the one takeaway for me when it comes to the transfer window is we, we need another center back. And I don't think, you know, getting long lay permanently from Barcelona, I don't think that's, that's the move. I think it has to be a tap Soba, um, someone like that to, to come in because Romero's had injury issues over the last two seasons. If he goes down, in the long term, and then you have to be starting a Davinson, a Tanganga, or an Eric Dyer in this system, it's going to be ugly. I mean, we're going to be giving up goals either way. Um, if you have one of those guys playing any significant amount of time, it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah, and that like that center back depth is it's so important for every team. Like you, you saw how City spent their money uh, this year. They, they kind of moved John Stones into like a hybrid defensive midfield role where he can still play center back if he needs to, but a lot of the time he's getting forward or he can play right along alongside Rodri if if uh, Pep desires. Uh, and they spent 100... The money's obviously a little different because they're owned by, you know, uh, an oil fund, but they spent $100 million on a player we don't even know if he's going to play. They bought they bought Vardy off for, you know, $100 mil or whatever it was. And... You just have to have depth. It was the reason that Arsenal got undone last season, and we still really haven't spent the money on a replacement center back uh, in case Saliba gets injured. Timber can can play center back, but I think he's probably going to be better suited uh, as a left back. And it, it is just so important. And I, I don't know besides Tapsoba. I mean, a lot of the good guy, a lot of the good center backs, young center backs that were available, kind of got hoovered up. Pal Torres is one that fits the Spurs profile, I think, perfectly. Villa bought him. He looked like shit in his debut, so maybe he touched a bullet, but um, I, I agree. I think it is absolutely integral to the success of Spurs this season that they get a a sound center back. They don't have to be a world beater. We're not talking about Militao or Varane. Um, we just, you, not we, but you just need somebody decent enough that can come in be in the role and not make a massive fucking mistake like Tenganga um, or Davinson Sanchez because you know those guys are due for just complete stinkers every once in a while. And that can be the difference, like you said, between European competition next year or languishing in, in mid-table irrelevancy. That's just not what you want. And now with Kane leaving, Spurs are going to have to work extra hard to keep their their you know high-profile uh, I don't think anybody is, is going to forget about Spurs. Obviously, they have a huge fan base, but um, you want to try your best to to still compete. And losing Kane, definitely in terms of eyes, that's it. It is a loss. It's a it's a loss for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know Christian Romero, he's an absolute bulldog back yeah. there. He's the one who's you know making these you know crazy tackles and and moving up into the midfield. So you do need someone to sit back there and be that anchor. And Van Ben's one, but, um, you know, you need more. I mean, I, I saw a graph earlier in the window when um, – so Tapstoba and Van Ben both became rumored very early in the window, and then things went really quiet. And then Van Ben was brought in. He only had three sessions with Spurs before this first game, and he was starting. So that just shows how little faith Ange has in the guys that were already here. Um, so – we need to bring one in, but I saw this graph that I think I forget when it was from. It might have been from the end of the 2019 season 
or when Yan and Toby were gone, but it, it showed the big six clubs and how many center backs they brought in. Yeah. And the other five, it was like eight or more. You know, City had like 11 brought in. Arsenal had nine or so. And Spurs had four. And yeah. two of them were, I think it was Sanchez and Joe Roden, who's now on loan at Leeds. And oh, yeah. The, the only one who's been worth their salt at all is Romero. So it just shows how it's been completely ignored. Um, and this goes back to, you know, how Spurs failed Harry Kane with, with not repri- replacing those guys and just having the backups of Eric Dyer and Davis step up and never replace Christian Eriksen until now with James Madison. So um, it's all, you know, kind of in the same web. But now is the time. You have $100 million, um, from Kane. You have to spend that wisely and not just, you know, try to replace him. Because essentially Kane is an irre- irreplaceable player. The way that he plays, like you said, you know, um, not a, not a pace guy. His intelligence. You're not going to replace him one for one. You have to replace his goals and really your net goals um, and just strengthen the squad overall. So if that's bringing in a center back to lower, you know, your goals against and bringing in, um, you know, either a, another attacking mid or even a winger. I mean, if Sun's going to be playing at, at striker at any point, then you're essentially you're down another winger. We brought in Solomon, but um, it doesn't look like Brian Hill's going to be playing at all. So there, there are, you know, a few positions where some depth would be really big for Tottenham, um, obviously starting at center back. Yeah. And I think towards the middle of the season, when you guys get Betancourt back um, and we see Betancourt, hopefully uh, rejuvenated Richarlison, Madison and son in there together. Like, I don't, I don't think Spurs have all that much to worry about in an attacking sense. Uh, If Kulisevsky sort of gets back to the way he was when he first came in from Juve, then this is going to be, it's going to be a fun team to watch, like attacking wise all season long, just with Madison controlling the tempo in the midfield. Um, and Benson Court maybe giving you a little bit more uh, in terms of stability in there. But like you said, man, this, this season kind of all comes down to the defense. And I do think, like, even though Guglielmo Vicario uh, conceded two goals, one of them was soft and the other one was, was tough, I think he looked all right. And, um, just having him in there over Hugo Lloris is, uh, in my opinion, it's a fucking massive upgrade. Because uh, Fraser yeah. Forster wasn't really, I don't, I don't know. He always gave Arsenal a tough time, but he's maybe kind of a shit keeper. Yeah, I mean, Lloris. I think everyone knew even going into last season that he should have been replaced. I mean, I was calling for Nick Pope. Yep. Uh, what do I know? <laughs> I know. He, he was on a free to, to Newcastle. So I think that would have been a great move then. And, and yeah, I mean, Vicario, it's been a little shaky in preseason, but it's just, it's so hard to judge off that such a short amount of games in a new system with new players in where the keeper stands. Um, definitely his distribution could need some work. Um, he wasn't certainly not known for that at Empoli, but um, his shot stopping, I thought he had some really good saves yesterday. Um, and like you said, I mean, really any keeper that like is a fully able bodied human being, uh, that has played at the at top tier, any of the five leagues is, um, is an upgrade over Lloris sadly at, at his age now. So, um, I'm not really worried about him. Um, the backup was actually, I forget his name, uh, like a, uh, not, it wasn't Forrester or Lloris who was on the bench yesterday. Uh, it was a younger kid, so I'm not sure if Forrester and Lloris are both expected to move out, and then we'll have to bring someone in or upgrade someone from, from one of the youth teams. But um, I was I was shocked not to see Forrester on the bench. He I thought he did a decent job 
coming in for Larice, but that also could have been just being so used to seeing absolute just horrific play from from Hugo, sadly. Yeah. Um was it um I forget who the who that backup was. It's he's a young kid, right? Yeah. I, I saw I, him named I, I saw him named on the yeah. team sheet. Um was it Brandon Austin? Yes, Austin. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's twenty four, six foot two. I don't know much about him, but I did see I when I looked at the team sheets um yesterday, I, I saw his name and I was like, What the fuck is that? So I guess he's maybe your backup keeper ahead of uh a Forrester. That's whatever. We'll see. Sometimes the young guys are decent. Um Man, I, I had one more question and I totally forget what I was gonna ask. Um oh, I remember. So if I put a gun to your head, where do Spurs finish this season after you know after one game? What's your your jump shock uh, shock idea? Where do you think they are? Um, I think we're going to finish in sixth. Yeah, um, I think that that would be an improvement. I mean, Andrews even said that you know it doesn't all come together in the first season. Pretty much everywhere he's gone, the first season hasn't been the best um, at his at his club. So. I think six would be good to get back into the European places and just play a new brand of football. I mean, it's been three years of just, you know, counterattack. That's stagnant. Simulation, brutal, like no possession. So getting it into the minds of the guys who have been here, um, that they're playing in a new style and just showing some, you know, kind of some just positivity and making it seem like there's just some steps forward in the club. Because from where we were, in say 2017 to 2019 versus now it, it's just a far cry so um building the building the depth of the team and getting everybody to play some more football is really some more attacking football is really the the main focus for i'd say most of the fan base maybe you make a run and, and get to go to wembley in one of the cups that would be awesome yeah but um i'm gonna i'm gonna predict sixth i think Ange will have i think his job will be secure honestly as long as we're not in like within striking distance of relegation by Christmas. Like if we finish 11th, but we're playing well and we just need to store up the defense. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be calling for Angie's head at, at this point um, this season, but yeah, I'm going to say sixth. Okay. Fair enough. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think his managerial profile is um, so predicated on the fact that the first year at a new club is sort of clearing the deadwood and, and dealing with the growing pains. I, I would hope that Levy and, and the board have done the research there and know that's that's what his managerial style is. It takes a year sort of for things to like preheat right before the oven's on full blast. So um, I, I would hope because I, I really enjoyed what I saw in the first game like that. That was a thrilling um, you know, match to watch in the morning when I woke up. I, I really hope that that Levy and the board have done that research and and know that's the way that it's going to go. Um, I, I think the the lights or the uh, the future at at Spurs could be could be bright. I don't think uh, just because it's the end of the Kane era, uh, you know, everybody has to go into doom and gloom. Uh, just just complete disaster mode. I, I don't think that's the case. I actually see a future for Spurs. I think um, Ange could be the guy that maybe doesn't get them back to the Champions League final, but could could definitely be a a sound and successful manager at Spurs. Let's you know let's see a couple trophies, even if it's 
even if it's League Cup or something like that. I don't I don't want to totally rule out the fact that Spurs could win a trophy this season. It's totally possible they win a League Cup. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask before we, we shoot this one down. Um, what was the most impressive performance from any team you saw this week? I, I know you watched a couple of the games. Who do you think looked the best? Uh, Newcastle, man. Yeah. I did not expect that. I mean, they put five past Villa. They, they just, okay. I mean, we were kind of talking like, oh, maybe they're going to take a step back. And they might once the schedule gets a little bit busier, you know, back in Champions League for the first time in a long time. But, um, man, that, that was impressive. Um, I'd say that was probably the one that, that really stuck out to me. Like, oh, shit, these guys still might be a major problem. And, and kind of replacing Spurs and that, and that, you know, consistent finishing in the top six. Um you know, if things continue. So um, I'd say they are the most impressive. And honestly, I would like, I wouldn't say the most impressive, but the most like content that the fan base could be would probably be Spurs. I mean, everyone yeah. was really impressed, like with all the, the debuts and getting a center back in, he only had three sessions. Like, I think that was a really strong performance against, uh, against Brentford, you know, um, you know, on Twitter, I haven't seen too many people like, you know, uh, you know, crying and screaming, it's the end of the world. And um, I guess my final statement, and, and it's probably, you know, kind of just to, to assure, reassure Spurs fans that are listening is, you know, United survived after Ronaldo left. Yep. Spurs have had many, you know, absolute all-time players, great talents leave. Bale, Modric, Berbatov. It's not the end of the world. There's still going to be matches to be played. There's still going to be new players coming in. You're going to see exciting goals. It's just one player is never bigger than the club. Um, you know, there will be great memories made this season and in following seasons that won't include Harry Kane at Tottenham. Yeah, it's the truth. I mean, it, it does happen. Teams lose their their talisman players. Arsenal lost Henri twice. <laughs> he left the club twice. Yeah. And is it is it tough to to tune in and and not see that guy that you know you can rely on? Yeah, but everybody it's a career for them. You have to remember that. These guys have to make the decisions that are best for them and their families and and what their individual wants are. I think Kane gave Spurs a he he gave them a really good run and maybe they didn't win the league, maybe they didn't win a Champions League they could have won, but and he gave it a really good shot, and he gave you guys a, a lot of good years. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to to know that at least you are are pleased with what he did, and um, you don't hold a ton of ill will, right, to, towards him leaving. No, not at all. I mean, yeah, you know, it would have been great if he was a, a one club man, but it's just it's so rare now. Um, yeah, it's impossible. And he, and he didn't. Pull Sol Campbell. He didn't end up going to you know a Chelsea on a free or anything like that. He didn't promise us he would resign and then didn't you know we got 100 million for him he's in germany you know playing in front of 15,000 people yep. uh you know scoring goals no one's gonna see so um i wish him wish him the best you know maybe he'll uh he'll score some goals against arsenal and champions league you never know it would be uh it would be possible absolutely so no and you never know what's gonna happen in three or four years um it could Bale come back first for a year you never know so he's only 30 and the way he plays he could play and be competitive until 36 but yeah you know, even if he stays every player eventually there would be a day that kane is no longer good enough to play at tottenham yeah even if he retired and was still there's all there's going to be a time 
when Harry Kane is no longer at Tottenham scoring 30 a year. It's just happening now. We got money for him. It's not the end of the world. And I'm really looking forward to uh, what the season has in store for us. Well, I think that's a fantastic outlook. Um, I'm, I'm chuffed to hear that. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, we cut this one? Oh, that's it. You can follow me on Instagram at the pork roll yid, Y-I-D, where I'm uh, on a mission to review uh, every pork roll, egg, and cheese in the great state of New Jersey. Other than that, uh, come on, you Spurs. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Thanks for joining us. Guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And I will see you later for the first recap pod of the year. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Take care.